They put those two things together and they were really simple. Mm -hmm. And I made a multi-billion dollar business for myself. I think that if you follow your passion, you follow your desires, you know your talents. There's no reason why you can't be successful. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Aaron Kerman. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing super well. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And holy cow, we've got a lot to talk about Let's see a little bit about Aaron. He was named the 10th top agent by the Wall Street Journal. He holds the second highest sale for residential property in Beverly Hills history at $65 million. And you can learn more about him and connect with him at his website, AaronKerman.com. And that's in the show notes link based in Los Angeles, California. So that being said, Aaron, how about you tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? I've been in real estate ever since I was a little kid, 17. I started in real estate. It was always something I just knew I loved to do. And I had some challenges growing up as a child. So uh, I knew I was somewhat limited in, in, in certain elements. So sales was always something that was just one of my super strong points. And I always loved houses. So I got in the business super young. And from there, I just stuck with it, worked super hard. And now I'm ranked one of the top in LA, pretty much the top in LA, top 10 in the world. And we sell the most expensive houses in the world. And now I'm really focusing on growing what is hopefully going to be the most successful real estate team in the country. So let's dig into some of these things. I was reading a little bit about you before our conversation, and I read that you got fired from your first job at a real estate firm. What happened? I got fired from every job I've ever had until I was the boss. (laughs) It was a very real lesson. From 13 on, I could not hold a job. And it just made me realize from a very young age that I need to be a boss and I really can't be an employee. When I finally decided to get into real estate, and in fact, I saw the guy that fired me. Why'd they fire you? Some stupid reason. I dropped some mail. I mean, it was some <laughs> ridiculous thing. But when I saw the guy that fired me a couple of days ago, he goes, that was the biggest mistake I ever made because he owned a real estate company and couple years into the business, I was already doing really, really well. But yeah, I really couldn't hold down a job. And it was at that point that I knew I needed to be a boss. I needed to be a leader. And that was when I started to do really well. You needed to be a boss. You needed to be a leader. How do you become an effective boss and leader? Years of practice. And leadership was always something very natural to me, but I still work on it day in and day out. I think for me, Effective leadership is always being honest, always being sincere, always making the right decisions and actually really honing in on what's right for other people and what's right for the team. I interviewed a top agent that actually would have been really profitable for my firm and I would have loved to have had her. But at the end of the day, she told me who she was interviewing with 
And I told her straight up, I thought she was better with this person. And I told her why she specialized mm. in an area that I do, but I'm not necessarily the market leader of that area. And she interviewed with the market leader and I said, you know what, if I was you and that's the area you want to do, go with this guy. Mm-hmm. So I always try to really think what's right for my team. And I call them kids, no matter what age they are. <laughs> I always call them my kids because I really look out for what they're doing. And I try to teach them the lessons that I learned the hard way early on. And that makes me feel good. When you were starting out, it would be, I suspect, more challenging to turn down business like you essentially did with a potential kid of yours and not work with someone even if it wasn't the best fit because when you're starting out, you need to make money. So have you always had that mentality or at the beginning, did you try and just make things happen and then that mentality has evolved? It's really hard to fire clients when you need the money, when you're so desperate for that deal. You have to be in a real power position to be able to do that and to have that ability. And so when I was younger, I never fired clients. And actually I worked for people that for whatever reason, internally, I knew I would never make money off of, but I spent a lot of time, energy and money doing so. It wasn't until probably 2012 where I had maybe $700 million in active inventory and I was having a horrible year for whatever reason. I was unhappy. I was miserable. I was fine financially, but everything else wasn't great. And I went on vacation. I came back and I literally tried to figure out what was going to make me happy. And I fired 70% of my active clients that Mm. the day I got back and I freaked out about it because I had lost $500 million in active inventory. I'm like, what am I going to do now? And no joke within three months, I had it back and then more. Mm. And so my lesson was get rid of the ones that aren't working for you and keep what's working for you because the universe will reward you. And so today I fire clients when it's not going to work. I let them know. I really want to be on the same page as my clients because if we're not, it's a waste of their time. It's a waste of my time. And ultimately it's not going to work. What's that communication look or sound like when you fire a client? I believe in always being super kind, super sweet, and super sincere. If it's not going to work, I tell them why. And sometimes I even offer my competitor that same client because maybe they'll work better. A lot of times too in real estate, I notice it's timing more than anything else. And agents from all over the world come to me to help them sell houses. And they're like, I can't get the seller to price this right or listen to my whatever it is that they're trying to do. Sometimes it just takes a second person to back that up or a position Mm -hmm. in power or the right time. And all of a sudden that seller is going to listen. So there's a lot to what we do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned around the world and that triggered something for me. I was reading an article. You fly over 300,000 miles a year. Is that right? Probably more. Probably more. Yeah. What are you doing? We're flying all over the world. I represent some of the most wealthy people in the world. And so wealth is everywhere. At the end of the day, real estate is a relationship-based business. And sometimes I am going to dinners to hang out. Sometimes I'm going to conferences. Sometimes I'm going to meet a buyer and seller. Sometimes it's a combination of everything. And sometimes I'm just on vacation living my life and I'm still making money. So it really kind of depends on the moment. In the next three days, I'm actually going to be going to Paris to meet a client that has two homes between 50 and 100 million. Then I'm going to be speaking at a conference over there. And from there, I'm going to have a little fun along the way. Are these homes in Beverly Hills? I specialize in pretty much any estate home all over the world, but the majority of my marketplace is Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Hollywood Hills. 
But again, we're a relationship-based business. So I represent a lot of like the Saudi royal family and Qatari and Kuwaitis, and they have homes all over the world. And so we view ourselves not just as like a broker, but more or less as a representative and, and mm-hmm. here to help them in determining how we can best accomplish their goals. How do you effectively market and sell a house in a different country from which you live? Multiple ways. It's really funny. The most wealthy people often have multiple homes all over the world. Most of my clients have three to seven homes. They have a house in home country, London, New York, Los Angeles, and wherever else. So a lot of these buyers you'll see, when you run in that, that circle, you kind of know who's looking, who wants what. So it's fairly easy for us to cross-connect. But other than that, there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's always one degree of separation. So if I have a home somewhere, usually we try to put some dots together and figure out who we know in that area, who knows who, and work that way. And then you have mainstream things, TV, press, media, marketing, all those things can also help. The world is so global. The internet is phenomenal at doing that. I have guys on my team that are tech junkies and they know the internet more than anybody. And honestly, they can manipulate it and work with it in such a way that we're targeting everyone from billionaires, multimillionaires to whatever it may be. Even if it's a focus on beach, island, horse property, equestrian, whatever it is. Thinking back, if you can, on maybe the last handful of listings of yours that have sold, if you know, how did the buyer originally hear about it? Probably of the last 10, there's no specific one trait that we see. In general, there's a multiple listing service, which people use. I always say international buyers become local buyers the day they get to Los Angeles or wherever it is they're looking. We reach out to people all over the world, and I think we start to set the tone. And we're like, hey, we have a house. You should check this out. At that point, they're going to do their own research, their own due diligence, their own study. So our goal is to reach them first, work with them, and then kind of educate them along the way. But we're not recreating the will. Most of it's online. Most of it's technology. Most of it is the computer at the end of the day. Sometimes it's neighbors. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's connections. Sometimes it's even TV. I sold a lot of houses off TV recently. Hmm. When you go on trips and you meet with clients, and I read that in some cases you spend between twenty and fifty thousand dollars per trip to meet up with clients. How do you measure that from a return on investment standpoint? I wish I could say that I'm studying my return on investment in that way. Some trips are a loss, and some trips <laughs> are a win. The budget for my overall office is tremendously expensive. We're spending hundreds of thousands a month in technology, media, press, infrastructure, travel. So it's just a part of what we do. I have traveled to China and Hong Kong and Europe and pretty much everywhere else in the world. And a lot of times, there's not an immediate return. Sometimes it's just about building a relationship. And at the end of the day, this business is a relationship-based business. So maybe I'll fly to China to meet a billionaire out of Hong Kong and have a dinner. And that may not equate to immediate revenue, but a year later, his aunt, uncle, or him or her may be ready to buy that 50, 60, whatever it is, even $5 million house, and we see a return. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it happens quick. And sometimes we go, we list a house. I flew to Paris. I listed a $70 million house and I sold it. Mm-hmm. super great return, right? Sure. We got an amazing kind Sometimes it takes time and energy. But again, it's really hard to pinpoint what does work and what doesn't, which is why I just do everything. And I spend a ton of money, time and energy expanding, expanding, expanding. And that's the beauty of what we do, I think. 
what drives me crazy about real estate in general is a lot of people think in the box and they don't think out of the box. And I think from investment standpoint and from a broker standpoint, the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that are thinking out of the box. Mm -hmm. And I study companies and corporations and business and anything that a multi-billion dollar company does, if I can afford to do it and I can maintain it, I try to do that even on a smaller scale. What are some examples of that? I have two people, full-time press teams that work on our behalf. And we say the best way to advertise is editorial. Rich people read. And so if we can get those great editorial articles, then we're going to be in a great position. Press, media, TV. I'm one of the headliners on CNBC, Secret Lives of Super Rich. That sells homes. Technology, hugely important. And there's multiple facets to technology. There's internet, there's rebranding. There's a hundred different ways to do it. There's YouTube channels. These are all really important elements. And as I think we move further, we're going to see that that's going to be even more important. And when I started in the business, it was who you know, a hundred percent, who you know, and who you have access to. That was the business. Mm -hmm. I think in today's world, because we're so technology based, everyone's kind of going online and they're figuring out what's right for them, who's right for them, what's wrong for them, and then making their decisions from there. Got it. So the online brand is paramount. Huge. 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 That said, it's still easier who you know. If you're one phone call away, they have a history with you. It's still an easier format. You mentioned that's why I do everything going to all sorts of places. I imagine that you are pulled in a lot of different directions and some directions you choose to pursue and some directions like, hey, I just got back from China. I can't make it to India. I just landed in L.A., so how do you determine which opportunities to go spend twenty to 50000 on for a trip and which was like, ah, it sounds okay, but it just doesn't make sense for me right now? A lot of it's timing and a lot of it's energy. When I'm gone, I still have an office that has about a billion dollars worth of inventory every day. So we're still working and we're still doing our daily moves. A lot of it is just kind of figuring out what the opportunity, who it is. I'm certainly open to every opportunity and you have to pick and choose. And sometimes great opportunities I have to miss because there's a better opportunity local. So it's all about time management and kind of using your gut and intuition. It's gotten me this far and I believe in my gut at basically 100%. Tell us the story where you followed your gut and it worked out. I feel like my life is a gut. That's what I'm good at. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm the most intelligent person, but I'm super intuitive. And in today's place, I feel super blessed because I meet people and I could tell if they're good or bad. I could tell if I'm going to make money with them. I got a call from some guy I never heard of that I knew of the address of the house he had. And she's like, why don't you fly to Paris to meet me? And I did. And it was a very expensive 70 plus million dollar home. And I sold it. And I went there within one day. How do you hear about you? Do you know? That was a referral. Referral. Yeah. Every day I walk away from listings. Every day I tell people my gut. And then even when it comes to pricing, when it comes to selling, when it comes to strategy, that's how I work. And I'm wrong about a lot of things. You talk to me about politics, marriage, dating. I'm probably off. <laughs> but when it comes to real estate, for some reason, I'm usually pretty close to accurate. Not to say that I haven't made a lot of mistakes along the way. We'll get to that in a second, but you mentioned you study companies and corporations and you implement some of the best practices that the large ones have that make sense to you. What's something that you have seen, but you haven't implemented yet, but it's on your radar? You know, there's so many things that I want to do. At the end of the day, even though we have a billion dollars of inventory and I've sold $3.5 billion, I'm still not at that level of a huge corporation. 
we're still a very successful real estate practice. Events. I think events are super important. It's not something that we've gone down that path yet, but it's something that I really want to do. I think sponsorships of major events are super important. I always teach people that the best way to sell is to be yourself and to be comfortable with what it is, whatever it is, whether it's going to church, whether it's doing the opposite and drinking, whatever it is that drives you, that makes you happy, you should do. So I think those events are super important for people's businesses because it connects you with like-minded people. And when you're Mm -hmm. connected with like for like, it's easy to make money because you're just going to get each other. So that's something that I would also like to do in the future. But I'd like to amplify everything times a hundred because the more money you spend, the more time you do, the more money you're going to make and the more Uh fun you're going to have. So it's really just about figuring out what is working and what isn't working. And sometimes that's very difficult in my world because it's hard to pinpoint one. And Mm -hmm. no matter how hard I've tried, we haven't been able to say, okay, we're gaining a 30% return from this investment. It just hasn't happened. Sometimes it's all full circle. When I started as a young guy in this business, I spent a lot of money in print advertising. People say it's a waste of time, but at a fairly young age, people knew my name and they knew that I was selling houses. Did I ever get a phone call saying I wanted to buy one of those houses? Never, not once. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing and advertising, but it did something. It got my name out there, maybe passive. And that's important too. Sometimes passive advertising is super Mm -hmm. important. What type of event would you do? I have so many interests from charities to aviation, to golf, to concerts, to interior design. It'd be more of a sponsorship. It wouldn't be one that you put together from scratch. It could be. I love doing that too. There are things that we just haven't done yet. Yeah. That I would like to do, Mm -hmm. but you know, it takes a lot of time and energy and and money as well. Mm -hmm. So we have to allocate. Just skip one trip. There you go. There's your event. (laughs) Sponsorship good is probably more than one of those trips. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you could do an event somewhere in Wyoming, and I bet you could pull it off for 50K. Let's see. Let's see. Time will tell. Yeah. I'll let you know if I ever do something over there. There you go. Based on your experience as a successful entrepreneur in real estate, what is your best advice ever for someone who wants to follow in your footsteps in terms of building a company to the degree that you've built one? At the root of it, love what you do and be super interested in it and follow your passion. Life is too short to just take a job to make money. And I think a lot of people fall into the pattern of that. And I understand money is a necessity of life, but if there's ever a time to take a risk, take that risk, follow your passion, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at. Do I think I'm the smartest person in the world? Absolutely not. Did I know that I could hold a job and that I needed to basically do something where I could be my own boss? And did I love houses? Yes. And I put those two things together and they were really simple. Mm -hmm. And I made a multi-billion dollar business for myself. I think that if you follow your passion, you follow your desires, you know your talents, there's no reason why you can't be successful. Tell us maybe a story of a mistake. And what happened? God, I have so many mistakes. <laughs> hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. You know, from every mistake has been a lesson. And I feel like I started in my business so young that I made a hundred mistakes. Not calling people back, giving wrong prices, not taking the right strategy. One of my biggest mistakes was I was moving so quick that I wasn't strategizing on how to get to where I want to be. And it wasn't until I slowed down And I took an overall vision. You know, we get bogged down in the details. Details, 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 problems, problems, problems. But it isn't until I took some time to go, okay, that's just a deal. Let's not worry about one deal. 
let's not worry about two deals. Let's figure out how to do 40. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, and at the beginning of my career, all I worried about was getting those deals done, right? So I didn't have time to figure out how to get bigger, how to grow, how to live the life I wanted to live. So one of my actually biggest regrets was moving too fast, too soon, and not really taking a global picture to what I do. Today, that's all I do. I take mm-hmm. a global picture to what I do. I would rather lose a deal, not get a deal, even 10 deals, than lose the opportunity cost of running my global organization in the right way. What triggered the moment where you were able to get that perspective that you didn't have before? Was it relationship with someone or was it just a light flipped on or what? I hate to say this, but I think it was general unhappiness. Maybe five years ago, I was not that happy with my industry. I was not that happy with my business. I had already done it for like 16 years. I was super successful and, and I felt what was my next move. I didn't know what my next move was and I didn't feel like I could do this for another 30 years. And that was the year that I fired all my clients. That was the year that I cleaned house. And that was the year that I also thought to myself, where do I want to go? What do I really want to do? Do I just want to be an independent broker and and do this? And the answer was no. Mm -hmm. So then it led me to becoming president of an organization. I became an estates director of a company. I worked to build that division and we did a great job doing that. Then I found I loved leadership and I loved teaching and I liked inspiring. And so that grew me to build my own team plus do the presidency of that division. And then from there, I'm always kind of figuring out, well, what's my next move? And mm-hmm. my next move is to continue to grow my team. And I like to talk to the media and I like to talk to the press. And these are all things that I enjoy because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm really good at sales. And I'd like to teach that. And I think that no matter what you sell, if you have the basics and you are comfortable with yourself, people will be successful. And I think a lot of times people go into business with impressions of what people think that they think they should be. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in order to be really successful, you have to be super authentic. And being authentic gets you really, really far. I walk into these expensive houses and I'm a little quirky and I'm a little bit crazy. And sometimes things come out of my mouth and I'm like, I can't believe I just said that to these people that own 80 and $100 million houses. But I've realized the more that I'm myself, the more that I go into my clients like they're my friends, the more they're going to like me and respect me. And we could just have a really authentic, real relationship mm-hmm. based on truth. And that was when I started to get super successful. It was like when I realized I don't need to be somebody, I don't need to pretend to be somebody, and I don't need to lie about anything. Like a price is a price. And if they don't like it, they could go somewhere else and try. And if it doesn't work, they know my opinion. Mm-hmm. Would you say that is the key to sales or are there other bullet points that are just as important as being your authentic self? I think being your authentic self is honestly the most important. Other agents in my industry wear suits and ties and you know, I'm wearing a t-shirt. It's just what I feel comfortable in. But there are other things. Knowledge is so important. You can't hide expertise. You can't hide experience. And you can't pretend to have it if you don't, because it's going to come across unauthentic. So for everyone, there's a learning curve. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes study. It takes practice. It takes mistakes. These are all the things that get people to where they are. If I didn't make all those mistakes along the way, and I made so many of them, then I don't think I would be as educated as I am today to know not to make those mistakes, not to react to an email you don't like. Like you get an email that pisses you off, don't respond (laughs) for a day. It's okay. They'll wait. 
When I was younger, I used to shoot out an email and a relationship would deteriorate. Mm -hmm. 90% of the time I don't respond. They forgot they sent me the email to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't and I respond and we work it out, it usually works out just fine. But again, these are all things that take time and you really have to be super confident in yourself and your decision-making. Without the expertise and the experience when you're starting out, how do you become confident? I don't think you do. I think it starts with knowledge and education and being comfortable with that decision. You know, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know the product that you're selling, then you're not going to be good, no matter how confident you are. And if you are confident, eventually you're going to make a mistake Mm -hmm. and that's going to backfire too. Listen, when I was younger, I was confident. I've always been confident in what I've done and I've always been able to walk the talk and talk the talk. But the more knowledgeable you are, the more comfortable people will feel with you and the more comfortable you'll feel with yourself. Mm-hmm. I legitimately go into interviews and I think I am the best at what I do. And I couldn't say that five years ago. Mm-hmm. But today I can say it because I have a team that supports me in such a way we're doing everything we can in terms of marketing and advertising. We know all the right people and we work our asses off. And based on all those things, I could literally say, I think I am better than my competition. Now, maybe my competition can say the same thing as well, and that's why it's such a competitive world, but that level of confidence really takes you very far. Do you have any daily habits? Yes. I try to start my day slow. I try to wake up and have a cup of coffee. I meditate every single morning. I find meditation keeps me really zoned and clear. I try to go to the gym every morning. And I try to start my day in a way that's going to set the tone for a very happy, energetic day. I feel like when I jump into work and I jump into my phone, I jump into those emails, by the end of the day, I get a little irritated and I get to a point where exhaustion sets in. But if I could start slow and easy, then my day goes longer. It goes better. I'm more likable. I enjoy people more. They enjoy me more. And it all seems to come full circle. I also take time off. I really believe people should live the life they want to live. And that doesn't mean building the empire. It's great to build empires, right? But it's not the only thing. When I feel like I've worked too hard, I go on a vacation and I get out and I go see the world and I meet my friends and I travel and I spend time with my family and friends. And these are all the things that I do to keep me centered so that I can continue to keep focus and not do what we call burnout. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh, sounds kind of scary, but let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I know you can handle it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire. Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing for investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. Okay, best ever book you've read? I wish I didn't have this answer. I read magazines, news publications, newspapers, Mm -hmm. internet. 
I haven't read a book in a very long time. Best ever news source or just entertainment source that you use that helps you with your business? Wall Street Journal, read it every day. Why that publication? Really focuses on business, gives me an interesting perspective, and it has the very version of the most important news on the left. Which helps, which helps me get to it pretty quickly. I could scan it on a conference call. I could read it at the office. It just works really well for me. Okay, this is a listener question. We asked our audience to submit some questions when we said that we were going to be interviewing you, and we handpicked some questions. This is from Josh. He's in California, and he asks, how do you think home selling and buying will change over the next five to seven years, and how will that affect investors and agents? I think technology has continued to change our industry, and I think we've just begun to see the beginning of that. I think that in many respects, the thing about real estate that is important is it's a people business, and there's so many technicalities to it. At the end of the day, it will always be a lot of details that agents need to handle. So I think agents are here to stay, but technology is always moving forward. And there is a technology that's going to make it easier for both buyers and sellers to find homes. I think that it'll be interesting to see, actually, and we need to study every day because none of us want to be left behind. But today, buyers and sellers are more knowledgeable than they have ever been. They know more than a lot of agents know. They have information. And I think where we can provide our value as an agent anyway, is from giving them information that they may not be able to have online. Mm. And that comes through pocket listings. That comes through sales that are not public. That comes through understanding buyer and seller needs and really being a real advisor. Mm. Here's another question from a listener. What are your top revenue producing tasks and how are you tracking those in your performance? It's really hard to track revenue in our business. It's such a big global world out there. We try. Whenever anybody calls us, we were like, did you see us on TV? Did you get us to the internet or who referred you? To date though, the best way that I make revenue is referrals and ex-clients. And I have, I call it an army of people behind me because I have $4 billion in sales. And if I did my job right and those $4 billion worth of sales, those people behind it liked me they're going to refer me to their friends and family. And quite honestly, that is our number one revenue source. And in order to keep that going, we need to be bigger and better than ever. We need to give better customer service. There's no better way to sell a house than to sell a house. Once somebody gets sold, a neighbor will call you. Just Mm -hmm. having that house doesn't make it happen. So we got to make sure that we're successful and make sure that our clients are happy with us and that we treat people well. And I think that it's a really small world. One thing that I also do is I work with the broker community and I don't think other people do that a lot. Going back to the years I was unhappy, I was very competitive and it was all about me. I shifted that and I started splitting everything with clients and agents. If a seller called me and said, hey, I'm unhappy with my agent, meet me. Oftentimes I'd say, let's keep your agent and add me. Let's not take it away because I don't want to take it away from people. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that that energetic level gave me more business because all of a sudden agents are a huge fear of my business. They're like, look, I'm having a hard time with the house. Can you help? Mm-hmm. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I think giving back is the most important energy to continue moving forward. And I do a lot. I give a lot of money to charity. I give a lot of my time to charity. I give a lot of my time to my team and to people. And I always try to give the best advice to everyone. And I think that that is ultimately how I give back because I always try to take myself out of the equation and making money out of the equation. And I always try to go, what's right for this person? Mm -hmm. A lot of times what's right for me and what's right for them don't align. And I have to be aware of that. And I have to say, look, I can only treat you like I would want somebody to treat me or like I would treat my mom and my dad. 
who are my life, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you, don't sell your house because it's not the right move for you today. Closing out, what's the best place the best ever listeners can learn more about your company and get in touch with you or your colleagues? Best way is AaronKerman.com. It's our website. I've been super lucky to have a lot of articles written on me. So I'm Googleable. And if anybody has any questions, always happy to help as well. Feel free to email or get in touch. Lots of lessons. Thank you. So grateful that you spent some time with us, Aaron. And some of the things that stood out to me, one is studying the companies and corporations that are best in class, not just in real estate, but just in general, and then implementing some of those procedures or departments a specific example is you having two full-time press people on staff. You listed some other things. Also, clearly the overarching thing here is being authentic and connecting with people maybe at an event or hosting an event or sponsoring an event, but that event should be aligned with you and your interests because as you said, when you connect with like-minded people, then the money will follow because you're going to be in your natural setting and you're going to just be more magnetic. Also, the other tips that you have on sales, one is you got to have the expertise and you got to have the experience. You can't hide it. You must have it. So getting that, learning from the mistakes and being in the right environment to do so. And as you said, just always being honest and sincere and honing in on what's right for other people. And yourself, too. And yourself, in an authentic way, yeah. Look, I don't know how to do math. I had a hard time reading as a child. These were things that I knew that I had problems with, so I was real with myself. And I said, look, some things are not going to work for me. I can't be a scientist. I can't do math. I need to hone in on what's good for you. But yeah, all those things are super important. Aaron, thanks for being on the show again. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.